Good day. This is Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christoph. Thank you so much for joining us. It is Tuesday, the 27th of July, and this is the 52nd edition of this podcast. I hope you're all doing well, um, and thank you so much for listening and, and tuning into this uh, podcast. Um, I produce a new episode every Tuesday. It's always a pleasure to share different voices and music with you. On the program today, uh, we'll be hearing from Marisa Berry Mendez, uh, who is a campaigner with Amnesty International in uh, Canada and Quebec. Um, Marisa has been involved in uh, working with Amnesty um, to support the movement for regularization. So the movement uh, to support uh, a very important demand that many community uh, organizations and activists are pushing for, which is the movement for status for all. That is a movement to push the Canadian government to um, regularize all people living with precarious status. Um, and uh, there are countless thousands across Canada. It is hard to um, identify a specific number uh, specifically because of people's undocumented status, it means it's difficult to sort of get a, a very full picture. But we do know for sure that there are tens of thousands of people without status. The context of the pandemic has really made clear uh, the ways that um, people with precarious status uh, have been serving on the front lines. In many uh, cases, people who are working in essential jobs, but also the collective danger that um, the active policy decisions that both the Quebec and Canadian governments make to allow for people to have precarious status, the danger that that uh, presents for, um, you know, contexts like the pandemic where people without status um, are living in fear, of course, uh, because of threats of um, detention or deportation on the part of the government. Um, so given that fear, people are, uh, of course, afraid to try to access medical services from the very same um, state infrastructure, the very same government that could, uh, through another arm, deport them or detain them due to precarious status. Despite this, many people have been working, uh, you know, in distribution warehouses, even within uh, the medical system. One of those cases is uh, Mohamedou Konate, uh, who is an asylum seeker from Cote d'Ivoire in West Africa. And um, despite his precarious status um, as an asylum seeker whose case was not acknowledged by the Canadian government uh, and who is now facing deportation. Uh, he served um, as a janitor uh, within multiple CHSLDs in Quebec. That's the uh, system of elderly care homes uh, in Quebec. And um, now he's facing deportation uh, from Canada. So I spoke with Marisa from Amnesty International about Mamadou's case, um, but more generally about why Amnesty International uh, 
major human rights organization, both in Quebec, Canada, but of course internationally, has taken for the first time a position on the issue of supporting the Status for All movement, which uh, of course many um, grassroots um, initiatives and organizations have supported for a long time, like the Immigrant Workers Centre, like the Migrant Rights Network, like Solidarity Across Borders, like many initiatives of um, uh, community-led struggles um, of people who are fighting for regularization. So that's the podcast this week. And here's my conversation with uh, Marisa from Amnesty International. I'm joined by Marisa Berry-Mendez, who is a longtime advocate for migrant justice um, and human rights in general. Uh, Marisa has worked with many organizations um, over the years, but recently has been working with uh, the Quebec, well, the Canadian Francophone section of Amnesty International. Um, And uh, actually, uh, I was with Marisa last week because there was a community press conference that took place to highlight a particular case of an asylum seeker, uh, Mohamedou Konate, uh, who is from Cote d'Ivoire and worked as a janitor in the CHSLD system of uh, elderly care homes in Quebec during the pandemic and is facing deportation. Uh, So I wanted to talk with Marisa about this case, but trying to understand uh, that story within a broader context. Um, so thank you so much, uh, Marisa, for taking the time today to, to, to speak uh, here. Sure. Thank you for having me. Great. Um, well, I guess, first of all, um, we do hear these stories sometimes in the press, um, and, and often they do catch attention of, you know, an asylum seeker who uh, is facing deportation, um, and particularly in Quebec today, there's quite a lot of discussion around asylum seekers who served uh, in the context of the pandemic. Um, Amnesty International um, and and many other organizations have articulated in different ways the importance of status as a human rights issue, which is a really, I think, important framing. Uh, So I'm just wondering maybe if we could start there um, just to sort of understand that framing and why it's important to think about um, immigration status or non-precarity as a human rights issue, not as not in the framework of like, you know, the charity model of like, oh, these people deserve status. It's actually that status is a right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, the the position of amnesty or at least sort of the policy guidelines that uh, came out particularly in light of the pandemic and all the issues that were really brought to the fore that were pre-existing but that were exacerbated around uh, access to fundamental human rights including access to healthcare access to, uh, right or rather the right to healthcare the right to life because we we've, we've seen that a lot of people are put particularly at risk in the context of the pandemic and other basic rights, um, such as labor rights, mm-hmm. um, is that you know uh, migrants 
who have precarious status or no status mm -hmm. often don't have access to those rights mm -hmm. and regularization of status can be um, can be a very good solution to that problem. So, you know, the, the, the human rights issues are sort of the, those access to basic human rights. Mm -hmm. um, but the way that, uh, you know, violation of those of those rights is facilitated in cases where people don't have um, full status. And so Amnesty's position position is actually um, around regularization more broadly. So not necessarily access to permanent status. It could also be uh, some of the regularization programs that have taken place in Europe, for example, where people are provided with papers, they can access government services and things like that, but it's not necessarily a pathway to permanent residence or citizenship. Um, uh, however, here at uh, Amnesty Canada Francophone, we are, we are asking for um, permanent residence um, in, in these cases. But in any case, that, that's sort of the broad yeah. uh, issue is that access to basic human rights is very much limited and impeded uh, by precarious status. And so regularization can be a solution to that. Well, I'm wondering if you could share a bit about the ways that uh, the pandemic has illustrated why this is a human rights issue. Um, mm -hmm. just, just to sort of, because, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, like full disclosure, we've known each other a long time. We've traveled in similar um, uh, journeys in terms of like different uh, struggles uh, in support of human rights and migrant rights particularly. But I, I, I don't know if you feel this, but I felt like in the context of the pandemic, there has been really a shift in terms of like the articulation of the rights of essential workers uh, the articulation of um, this um, idea that that there shouldn't be unequal status in society, and the pandemic has really sort of brought forward some of these arguments. Could you talk a bit about your reflections on on the importance of this conversation, but also the importance of not losing track of you know as as the as the um, vaccine rollout takes place of not losing track of the ways the pandemic showed the importance of this issue? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting question because, you know, all of these issues are pre-existing mm -hmm. and I think have become more deeply entrenched maybe in the last 20 or 30 years as precarious status, or, you know, in the Canadian context, at least as precarious status as the temporary foreign worker programs, mm -hmm. um, you know, have sort of mushroomed and, and, um, and uh, our immigration system has, has seemed to become more stratified. Mm -hmm. um, the issues around access to healthcare, around access yeah. to labor rights, et cetera, are pre-existing. Yeah. Uh, it was quite amazing to see how, you know, yeah. with, this, with the pandemic mm -hmm. and this sudden recognition and this sudden sort of public discourse around the essential nature of the work uh, that certain people are doing in particular and overwhelmingly immigrant and migrant uh, people, um, suddenly th these issues were brought to the fore and yeah. there was, you know, there was like an awareness raising about, about, you know, especially in Quebec temp agencies, well, actually mm -hmm. everywhere in Canada, but um, all these sort of exploitative mechanisms, including some of our immigration programs, particularly temporary foreign worker yeah. programs. Um, and so uh, it really, became an opportunity for, um, I mean, you know, an organization like Amnesty to say, okay, now is a good moment for us to try and amplify 
uh, the message that community and grassroots organizations have been conveying mm -hmm. for years and years. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a good moment because there's sort of like a resonance and there's a there's really like a rhetorical tool in this idea of, yeah. of the essential work. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so, so I guess that's what I would say about this moment. Mm -hmm. um, if uh, in, to talk about like that stratification um, and uh, the human rights issues that are underlying, I mean, you know, I, I think it, I think there's a real convergence of a lot of different issues. I keep mentioning the temporary foreign worker program, which is a program uh, that in some different iterations has existed, you know, like the seasonal agricultural workers program sure. has existed more than 50 years. The yeah. caregiver program in different forms also has existed for many decades. Um, and then the, the other sort of low skilled, uh, ultimately essential uh, programs have really taken off in the last 20 yeah. years yeah. Um, in which, you know, that, that have really just, um, created these two streams or more, but really, you know, we have this immigration program that we tout in, uh, in confluence with our uh, multiculturalism policy and approach. And, you know, these are permanent residents and, and uh, Canada has succeeded in having a really positive rhetoric around our permanent immigration programs. Uh, and then of course, there's also, you know, um, uh, humanitarian protection programs around refugees, which, you know, do experience uh, backlash, but there, there is a sort of general acceptance of um, some of those streams. Um, and then on the other side, you have the yeah. temporary foreign worker programs yeah. where people are, you know, it's like the most essential jobs yeah. and people absolutely don't have access to status yeah. in yes. general, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you have, of course, the, the, the refugee claim, uh, claims program, which, you know, in many ways is, is, um, is uh, you know, what am I trying to say? In many ways is quite positive. Mm -hmm. and has has been a mechanism for granting protection to you know tens of thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people over the years but which also has a lot of uh problems and you know mamadou's case is really emblematic of that the the these sort of articles around inadmissibility and 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 the ways that people um with in certain situations can fall through the crack at cracks and not even be considered by such a system. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then of course, uh, you have the situation of people without status who may have uh, fallen out of status for a variety of different reasons, including, um, you know, they, they had their, their uh, claim for protection refused, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, one of the interesting things you were saying is speaking to sort of the, um, uh, I guess, dualism or like the um, what's the word I'm looking for, contradictions in government discourse. If you listen to the, our federal government, you would think that there's nobody without status in this country. Yeah, you know, yeah. Recently, that's the rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just even um, in the month of April when they announced a uh, regularization program for about 90,000 people, which, you know, obviously will welcome uh, any steps in those directions, sure. even if it's sort of limited. Um, but... Uh, the interesting thing about that program was the 30,000 spots for essential workers and the fact that the list of professions included professions that are kind of never before considered, including agricultural workers, for example, uh, people in, in working in, I think, meat processing and 
fish processing plants, like so, uh, security guards were included. That was sort of felt sort of groundbreaking, but then there are all these other uh, structural barriers to those folks having access. Sure. sure. Um, and uh, and the, the other thing was that you, you had to have a temporary, a temporary work permit. So all the yeah. people in those jobs who don't have status mm -hmm. are ineligible. So, so they don't, ex you know, they're just completely invisibilized. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll let you, because well, I'm I mean, that's that. great. That's uh, well, I think, you know, what you're illustrating in terms of understanding the reality of the uh, persisting um, fact that there are so many people doing essential work that have no status and also many people um, that maybe um, can't be um, uh, may, maybe named within these sort of policy discussions who simply are just surviving without papers at all. Um, and there's been so much important work to sort of try to lift up uh, those voices and the reality that so many people do not have status. And in the context of the pandemic, so many people who are doing essential work had no status. Uh, so in that, and, and thank you for all the analysis around like the live-in caregiver program or agricultural workers. Cause I mean, this is not a new phenomenon, right? Like uh, going back even to the seventies, you know, there was caregiver programs that did in many ways delineate status um, and create sort of structural barriers uh, for some people to access status, even if they're working in Canada. So it's not a new situation, which I think is important to underline. Um, yeah. So why was it important for you, Marisa, to, you know, we were together in that community press conference last week in front of Justin Trudeau's riding office in Montreal. Why was it important for you? And I know it's not the first time you engaged in speaking about Mahamadou Konate's case, but why was this case, given all that what you've shared, important for you to speak about? Mm -hmm. um, you know, Mamadou's case is uh, so emblematic of sort of a variety of different systemic issues. Uh, you know, you have the piece around inadmissibility where he isn't able to submit a claim for protection under our refugee determination system uh, because of circumstances in his country of origin. Um, and, and his affiliation or presumed affiliation to certain groups. Um, so, you know, that, that being one, um, the fact that he was working on the front lines in the health system uh, during the pandemic, you mm. know, I, I don't think that we should, there's, there's so much, um, I, I don't think we should value uh, ascribing differential value to differential to different jobs is a slippery slope and yet the symbolism of being on the front lines working with covid patients being in the rooms of covid patients without a, appropriate uh protective um equipment especially at, at the beginning there yes, of course you yeah. know and then being excluded from that incredibly restrictive program that was introduced last december um uh, despite rhetoric, particularly from the Quebec government, around wanting to recognize the ange gardien and and um, and so on and so forth, so you know this um, this you know let's applaud everybody in the health system. Yeah. Uh, this sort of uh, rhetorical mm -hmm. upholding and and you know making into heroes of these workers, and then actually just turning around and slapping them in the face. 
by excluding them from these programs that get introduced mm -hmm. uh, is hugely problematic. The fact yeah. that because um, he was unable to actually be a, a, a refugee claimant because of inadmissibility, he had no access to healthcare so that when he did get COVID because of his frontline job, uh, he couldn't get the, yeah. the healthcare he yeah. needed yeah. and you know, was relying on um, uh, folks from the migrant justice community who were very yeah. solidar, you know, who offered a lot of solidarity and support, yeah. but he had no healthcare in a country that says that it has universal healthcare. Um, Which there's just, yeah, there's so many pieces that come together that really um, illustrate a lot of the different uh, problems. And I believe that Mamadou was also recruited by a uh, temp agency to work yes. at the CHSLD. And we know that temp agencies uh, really take a big cut. And so people uh, are earning less than they should be earning. And that it's a real problem in terms of uh, predatory labor practices. Yes. So there's just like a convergence of so many different things in his case. Um, and also, you know, uh, very understandably, not a lot of people in his situation are willing to uh, be public. Yes. And so, you know, and, and as I say, very understandably, but uh, Mamadou's sort of courage and, you know, outspokenness yeah. Um, yeah. on his own situation is, uh, is inspiring yes. and, um, and also gives us an opportunity to convene around um, him and his case, and then also the systemic yes. issues that, that his case brings yeah. uh, to the fore. Marisa Barry Mendez, thank you so much for taking the time to speak today. My pleasure. Thanks. That was a conversation with Marisa Barry Mendez from Amnesty International uh, here on Free City Radio. Thank you so much to Marisa for joining the show today and sharing your perspectives on the importance of the Status for All movement and why Amnesty International has taken a position in support of the demands for regularization of all people with precarious status within the context of seeing that as a human rights issue. Um, there's many organizations who are active on this um, front and in support of people with precarious status, including the Immigrant Workers Center uh, in Montreal, the Migrant Rights Network, and Solidarity Across Borders, many others. So I'd encourage you to uh, look up those organizations and um, this has been the 52nd edition of Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christophe in Montreal. Um, if you like this podcast, please encourage a friend to subscribe. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Spirodon, S-P-I-R-O-D-O-N. And um, you can email me anytime, S-T-E-F-A-N dot C-H-R-I-S-T-O-F-F at gmail.com. Thanks for uh, listening, and to go out uh, for this week, I'm going to go to a great piece of music by Tracy Chapman, and um, I'll see you next Tuesday. Uh, take care. If you knew that you would die today, you saw the face of God and love, would you change? Would you change If you knew that love can't break your heart When you're down so low You cannot fall Would you change 
would you change? How bad, how good does it need to get? How many losses, how much regret? What chain reaction would cause an effect? Makes you turn around Makes you try to explain Makes you forgive and forget Makes you change Die today. 